Hello and welcome to Jumpcast. I am Alex Gilston joining you for another week of I only said fun and frivolity. What, fun what and are frivolity. we? <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that one. Anyway, hello. Welcome back to Jumpcast. We've got lots to talk about today, including reviews of Cyrano, The Duke, and Studio 666. We've also got trailer talk and all of the film news as well. And we're going to be launching our new film club this week as well. And joining me on the journey through film, as usual, it is Charlotte. Ahoy. Ahoy there. And Simon Whitlock. Hello. Uh, yeah, we're not doing the lobster again this week. <clears throat> we'll pretend like this is how we <laughs> planned it. <laughs> so, yes, we are going to be talking about the lobster next week, where we will then also reveal the winner of the new film club. So before we kick off into the news... Charlotte, what what have you been up to this week? Anything nice? Anything interesting? What have we been watching? Uh, I've been a little bit busy. I went to some things, which is exciting. To be able to do things after yes, things. I say after COVID, but you know, we know that's not really COVID's not gone. What? Um, sorry, did I? Is that a surprise? I thought I thought it was. I thought. He just packed his bags and left in the middle of the night. Because Bor- well, Boris has said it's gone. <laughs> You've just got to live with it. Yeah, and the man gone, yeah. speaks the truth all the time. He does. Simon, live with what? It's not there anymore. I, 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 yeah, exactly. Um, so I went to the National Maritime Museum in Greenwich. They had a takeover, um, the LGBTQ takeover, plus takeover uh, called Fierce Queens, which was amazing. Loads I of drag saw. shows, tours, um events it was really lovely i had <laughs> a fake tattoo of a pink narwhal on my wrist that wouldn't wash off this morning oh. which a couple of kids at school <laughs> clocked and um, asked me about um and i also went to a thing called one night records which is like a blues new orleans takeover it's five bars and a food market and that was really good too i haven't watched as much this week because of going to things but I did watch four out of the six episodes of Wolf Like Me on Amazon. I've been told that's really good. It's really compelling. It It's really different and I'm here for it. Yeah. Um, And the title is accurate in a way that I hadn't quite twigged to the end of the episode. Ooh, okay, interesting. So yeah, I'd recommend it. It's um, Isla Fisher, Josh, Josh Gad. Gad. Yeah. Really, yeah. It's really different. I like it. And Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which we spoke about last week. We're four episodes in now. Have, have you seen yeah. all four episodes? Oh, I haven't seen the fourth one. I uh, really, really enjoyed the third episode. Um, it was very sad. And I it didn't was even so realize... well handled. Yes, brilliantly handled. Yeah, loved it. And um, we've also got the appearance of, oh, I forget his name every time, the guy from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and Frozen. Santiano... Oh, come back to me a second. If you ever watched Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, the original Greg. Yes, I haven't seen it, so I couldn't tell you. Yeah, would recommend. Well, Simon. Oh, yes. How about you? How how am I? Um... No, no, I didn't ask how you are. I don't care about that. (laughs) Um, 
<laughs> I was going to say that'd be a first. It would be, yeah, exactly. Um, no, what, what have you been up to? Anything nice? Any been watching anything interesting? Funny you should mention. Uh, so, apropos of absolutely nothing, uh, I have been watching the films of Matt Reeves this last week. Um, and it included a first time watch of his version of Let, Let Me In, Let the Right One In American version. And it's, yeah, I was very impressed and surprised. Um, yeah, very stylistically similar to what you'd expect from uh, the man who's made the gnarly, gritty Batman film that we've got coming out actually on day of release. So uh, you're probably not listening to this. <laughs> you're probably watching the Batman three times in a row. <laughs> but um, but yeah, uh, it was really, really good. And I was very reluctant to admit that because I love Let the Right One In so much. And yeah, but I thought, oh, okay, if you're going to do an English language version of a great film already already out there, then yeah, that's a way to do it, definitely. Then let it be that. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Awesome. Well, I, I, I've not really been watching much outside of the um, the readily um, available things that we've been watching for this week. I watched a cool little thriller that dropped on Disney+. Plus. On Friday called No Exit. That was pretty decent. I feel like if you need a little Friday night freaky watch, probably worth worth putting it on. It's only ninety minutes. Um, pretty decent. And I then think we covered that on a trailer talk a few weeks back. We may have mentioned it. Yeah, rings the bell. Um, yeah, it was pretty decent. Yeah, really, uh, quite en- enjoyed it. Um, and then oh. obviously. Last night, as of the night of recording, we saw the return of the Peaky Fucking Blinders. Was it Michael Caine in there? <laughs> I don't know. I tried to do the accent, it didn't work. Um, yeah, Peaky Blinders is back for the final series, six more episodes. And um, yeah, the first episode was really, really good. Uh, it kind of went in a direction that was a little bit unexpected but also expected due to the passing of Helen McGrory. Um, I thought that the tribute to her was really beautifully done, um, really, really well done. Um, and I think if you're a fan of, of Peaky Blinders and her, then you will also probably be in the same camp as me and thinking that they, uh, Stephen Knight did a, a really good job of that. Um, it's very exciting. The seeds are being sown for the, for the big grand finale and i can't wait i think it's gonna be brilliant so there we are hmm. now i don't think i've were... ever actually seen an episode of peaky blinders in my life oh really? Oh, it's so good is it actually good because it's one of those things that's just you know when something's everywhere and like it's so everywhere yes. that you think is this actually worth well, all the everywhere that it is that was exactly what i was like um <clears throat> and then during lockdown one of my friends was like we should just watch Peaky Blinders, and I didn't have anything better to do, so I was like, do you know what? Just, just do it. And I'm very glad I did, because it is really, truly, like, it is, the the hype precedes it. It's very, very, very good. I got mm. into it at the start of Series 3. They had an event at the BFI with the, all mm. the cast and crew, so I was sat oh, actually yeah. behind Helen McCrory, Um and I binged Series 1 and 2, like, the weekend before the event, and, yeah, that was the way to do it, because mm. I think I tried Series 1 when it first aired, and the thing about playing modern music in a period drama threw me. Right, yeah. yeah. And then I got into it kind of by force because I, I had 
had to binge it and yeah whoa kind of glad yeah glad she did yeah i'm the same and i'm glad that we what that we that i watched it when i did because i think as of it coming back last night it had been 800 days or something since series five um so i'm absolutely terribly glad that i didn't have to wait that long for for a new episode oh that's terrifying i've just remembered where i was when that happened i'm like whoa it's been that many days let's have an existential crisis we crack on with the news don't worry (laughs) (laughs) well speaking of the news we will crack on with it i'm starting off with some news that i am sure uh fans of Older men still trying to uh, replicate. <laughs> For God's sake, fans of older men. Fans of just older men in general. Um, <laughs> what I was going for was fans of older men who are trying to replicate. <laughs> Is this just you announcing that you are part of SugarBabies.com? Like I don't. Know <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is absolutely what i'm saying i mean harrison <laughs> ford is probably a sugar daddy in some kind of uh, uh, respect anyway yes so indiana jones 5 has uh, wrapped filming do 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 and before we started recording simon made a <laughs> I, I suppose confession what? it's it's not a confession because there's no guilt well, behind it well there's no guilt behind it from your perspective uh so basically, I told the guys that I like Indiana Jones 4. Because, well, someone made the three films comment. I think it was you, Charlotte. Um, yeah, then I spilt my can of ginger beer and felt like karmic <laughs> retribution. Exactly, exactly. The uh, the crystal skull <laughs> saw through time and space and knocked over the can of ginger beer. And <laughs> it was cosmic justice, interdimensional justice, if you will. Because I like that film a lot. I think it's really good. And yeah, aliens make sense in that world, universe, what have you. So you're excited for Indiana Jones 5 then? So excited. Like genuinely, oh so excited. Do you think they're going to keep, like, do you think they're going to go even further with the alien storyline or what? I don't know. I really don't know what they're going to do with this. And I like that. Like, I remember when it was 2008, when Indy 4 came out, and... I remember there being so much publicity about what it was all about. Like it was, this was like pre-spoiler culture, and they were just like, "Oh yeah, it's aliens," like in interviews and things like that. And I just thought, "Oh, interesting. Okay." And so, yeah, the execution of it, I understand. You know, I totally appreciate it's not for everyone's liking. Um, you know, I've seen all the memes over the last fourteen years, but um, but yeah, no, I think I'm genuinely excited. Genuinely, really looking forward to it. And I think James Mangold is going to do something really special. Yeah. Well, let's just hope that there wasn't a UFO a la the Millennium Falcon that had a closing door that could accidentally crush Harrison Ford. Um, (laughs) Moving on. Uh, uh, As of the time of recording, the SAG Awards took place last night in Los Angeles, California. Um, and the big winners of the night were were revealed, the big film winners. Um, so we're gonna have a a little a little gander through them right now and see if there were any any surprises, any um, any upsets, anything like that. See if anyone um, became a total sag. <laughs> 
That's well, very um, good. <laughs> funnily, funnily enough, actually, on that on that topic, um, Helen Mirren was the recipient of the Lifetime Achievement Award. Oh. Um, and they did her little montage thing, and it was properly brilliant. Like, I was watching the montage, and I was, I was thinking, "Damn, yeah, she has had a career." Oh yeah, yeah, Gen- genuinely, yeah. She's she's had a hell of a career. Hell, hell of a, a hell, a hell, hell of a career. Um, right. So, uh, male actor in a supporting role. The nominees were Ben Affleck. For the tender bar, Bradley Cooper oh, for Licorice okay. Pizza, Troy Kotsur for Coda, Jared Leto for House of Gucci, and uh, Cody Smith McPhee for The Power of the Dog. Um, and Troy Kotsur won for Coda, um, which I think I was genuinely surprised by because I thought that Cody Smith McPhee was gonna probably take it. Um, yeah, that wasn't my pick of the choices. Well, I know it wasn't your pick of the choices. I know who your pick of the choices would have been. Um, they didn't, e- you know, in the clip that they used, they didn't even use the clip where he wails and it goes to the car. <laughs> there. Did they use the chocolate? I think they might have done. Yeah, Excellent. yeah, potentially. Um, but no, I'm genuinely really happy for Troy Kotzer. His speech was wonderful. Um, and yeah, really, really great stuff. Uh, female actor in a supporting role. Uh, the nominees were Kristen Kirsten Dunst for The Power of the Dog, Kate Blanchett for Nightmare Alley, uh, Ruth Neger for Passing, uh, Katrina Balfe for Belfast, and um, Ariana DeBose won for West Side Story, which I think was pretty much expected, and I think she'll probably go on to win the rest of the awards during awards season at the Oscars and all of that kind of stuff. I think that's pretty much locked in for her now. All of the awards, even the ones that aren't being televised. <laughs> oh my god, Seth. The winner of sound design is Ariana DeBose. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, Bose headphones. Um, uh, oh god. <laughs> he ran right into that one. No. Uh, now, you've got male actor in a leading role. The nominees were Javier Bardem for being the Ricardos, Benedict Cumberbatch for Power of the Dog, Andrew Garfield for Tick, Tick, Boom, Denzel Washington for The Tragedy of Macbeth, but the winner was Will Smith for King Richard again. I think that one was pretty expected. Um, and again... It's really probably... strange looking over these. There's a mix of quite safe bets and then just some slightly left-field choices. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah, I think we're we're coming on to those right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's pretty much safe to say that Will Smith is finally getting his Oscar. Um, but as you were saying, Charlotte, the a bit of an inter- more interesting uh, award was the female actor in a leading role. Uh, the nominees were Nicole Kidman for being the Ricardos, Jennifer Hudson for Respect, Lady Gaga for House of Gucci. Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter, and then the winner was Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye. I, I just... think everyone expected <sighs> Nicole Kidman to win for being the Ricardos, because that was like the safe bet. But um Charlotte, you continue to be the only person here who has seen that film, so Yeah, I was just thinking that. Like of these five films nominated, or the actresses in the five films, like House of Gucci isn't massively good. Lady Gaga is good with what she's given. Mm. Respect was awful yeah um i couldn't get into being the ricardos i gave up after 20 minutes maybe i'll go back at some point um lost daughter is phenomenal and then jessica chastain 
was more makeup than acting in the eyes of Tammy Faye. So, choices. Choices, indeed. Well, <laughs> um, it'll be interesting to see that kind of keeps the, the race open when it comes to the BAFTAs and the Oscars. It might not be, it might just be an outlier that she was, that she's won here and she might not win elsewhere. Um, and then the big award of the night, which is the outstanding performance by a cast in a motion picture. The nominees were Belfast, King Richard, House of Gucci, Don't Look Up. But the winner was Coda, which I think, again, everyone was pretty surprised by. Um, I think people thought that it might have gone to Belfast or even worse, Don't Look Up. <coughs> uh, <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I'm really, really happy for them. I think it's great that it is a film that's being recognised during award season, and I have a feeling that that it winning here may give it a little bit of momentum in Best Picture at the Oscars as well, because I believe voting is still open for the Oscars. I just like watching Troy Kotzer be happy. Like, yes, it is beautiful. Yeah. That's that's as much as I care to contribute to this. Yeah, his happiness, he like emits it. It's like from deep within him. Yeah. In a way you don't often see these award seasons. You see quite measured responses. Mm-hmm. It's so yeah. genuine. Yeah, no. Yeah, it, absolutely. It's really good. And um with those two big wins, you know, the one of the big talking points during his his speech for his win and the speech for their sort of collective win was just the representation in films matters and that hopefully this being recognized and being quite popular will open the door for further representation which is always a great thing so hmm. agreed there we are right moving on from all the award fanfare to steven spielberg who is going to be directing a new film based on Steve McQueen's famous cop character, Bullet. So, yeah, I, I'm i really excited for this, only because we're getting to this point now with Spielberg where, like we've seen with West Side Story, he's just having the opportunity to make things that he loves. Like, I mean, you know, I never think that he's just doing something half-heartedly, but, you know, things that he's loved for a long time, like West Side Story being a prime example of that, being something that from his childhood and, you know, having close um, familial ties as well with that film and that experience. And I think Bullet is going to be another one of those things where, you know, it's from earlier, definitely in his life, where um, he's going to have that connection to it. And I'm excited to see what he does with it. and. Just the opportunity of watching Spielberg do car chases. Uh, yes, please. Yeah. Completely agree. Charlotte, any any thoughts and feelings? Yeah, like to build on that and to be uh, quite morbid for a minute, but he's 75 now. There, He's getting to the point where there's only maybe a few more <laughs> films he might want to make. Not presuming mm. too much, but you know, and I love, like you said, the fact that these are personal choices for a variety of different reasons. And it's been really lovely to see West Side Story get so much love on Twitter the past week. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
Like, and again, fully justified. And the, again, to kind of go on that morbid note, I did see someone make the point that we could see certainly, you know, with some of the more um, more auteurish directors still working and, and of that older guard, like like Scorsese, like Spielberg, we might have a point where, like Kubrick, someone else might have to come in and potentially finish off a big work from one of these big directors. Which mm. is a bit bit worrying to think about, but you know, that that thought is out there. So yeah, it, it's it's um just yeah it's just a bit bleak to think about. But yeah, I'm I'm like you say, Charlotte, I'm I'm glad that he's picking choices that are coming from a very personal place rather than out of just, you know, oh this sounds good. Or for the dollar dollar cash. Or for the dollar dollar cash. <laughs> <clears throat> ready play one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, moving on. Uh, Scream 5, of course, came out uh, last month, but it has been confirmed that Scream 6 is going to start filming over this summer, which I am not so shocked by because of how well it was received on a box office level. Um, and probably generally a critical level too, especially big fans of the franchise. I think it did get a fairly warm reception. I know it did on this podcast. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, I'll be interested to see what they'll do with it, though, considering that this is like so soon after the release of the fifth one. Oh, I bet they had a plan. Do you think? I think so. I reckon yeah, they. I reckon I they knew. Yeah, they maybe. knew. Well, they thing because knew. Think, well, thinking about it, they had another year or so to build buzz. Like they must have had that ready. They must have been like, "Cool, we're gonna fine tune a Scream Six script." Oh, try saying that five times fast. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I think I think they're just ready to go and re- well, clearly raring to go as well. Are you ready for more Ghostface, Charlotte? Yeah, like, I I haven't got huge attachment to the franchise as many, but I had quite a fun time with the last film. Yeah. And I think, Simon, if you say, like, if they have actually had a plan, then it could be really interesting to see and be really interesting, a really interesting sequel to a film that was, was very, very quite good. That said, there have been, you know, we do already have previous with... Uh, horror legacy sequels with a plan that have already completely crashed and burned. Um, <laughs> Halloween Kills, just saying. <laughs> well, we will bide our expectations and yeah. hope for the best. Uh, now, to finish off the news segment, we've got some release date stuff to talk about. Starting off with the fact that Disney Plus has delayed uh, the release of. Sebastian Stan, Daisy Edgar Jones film Fresh by a couple of weeks um, from the 4th of March. It was meant to be coming out today as of the day of this, the release of this podcast, but it's now going to be coming out on the 18th of March. We don't know if this is just a UK thing. We don't know why. We trawled the internet to find out, but we could not find a thing. It'd be I'm really funny suggest... people listening right now know May the reason. Know. Yeah, they might. Yeah, you very, very well might. And you'll be like, this is the reason, Alex. 
this is the reason Charlotte and Simon, but we. I don't think know. I think they might be too preoccupied with the real reason. They might be watching Vengeance. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, I think that might be an interesting, um, an interesting reason. To be honest, yeah, they've known that Batman's coming out like for ages, so yeah, that's true. true. Yeah, true. That is true as well. It might just be a rights thing. Who knows? Yeah, it's a shame though, because like she, uh, Daisy was on um, Graham Norton last Friday. Mm. It felt like it was building up a nice buzz, and mm. now I'm just really petrified of spoilers for the next two weeks. And I can't. Oh God, yeah. Mute the word "fresh" on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> but at least you'll be uh, free of rotten tomatoes for a couple of weeks. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I just, obviously, if you are um, a listener that is in the UK, just be very careful because, as I've mentioned on this podcast before, you really want to go into this film as um, no- knowing as little as possible. Um, Moving on, we've got a release date for Dracula Tale Renfield. I believe this is the one with Nicolas Cage, right? Yep. I think so, yeah. 2023, mark your calendars. He's taking physicality hints and uh, tips from Gabriel from Malignant, which is very oh, wow. exciting. Oh, Genuinely, he's based is based how he's going to be vampire-y off of that. Um, I mean, yeah. I am really disappointed that he didn't mention Young Dracula, but you know, we'll we'll <laughs> we'll get past it. We'll get past it. Wow. Um, and then finally we've also got a release date for the new Haunted Mansion film not Muppets Haunted Mansion because that's already on Disney Plus but just the new Haunted Mansion film which is also set for a 2023 release so again mark your calendar for that mm. or not it's, it's or not just, Del Toro anymore so oh was Del Toro oh. meant to be doing it what might have been? What might have been? Del Toro and Ryan Gosling? Oh. Oh, damn. I think. Oh. I'm going to check now. Correct me if I'm wrong, please, because... New film. <laughs> Haunted Mansion new film. Because, yeah, I, I don't know who's in it now. I think it's, like, someone. It's definitely a person. It's definitely a person. Like you heard it here first. It's starring Danny DeVito, <laughs> Tiffany Haddish, Lakeith Stanfield, Owen Wilson, and Rosario Dawson. What is that and cast? Directed by. Cast. Uh, so I. This sounds like this was never meant to be in the hands of Guillermo del Toro. If I'm being honest with you. Oh no! I think it was meant to be at some point, and then they've just. And then it just never was. Top down, redid it. It's from the writer and director of Dear White People, Justin Simeon. Oh. There was an original premise back in, I don't know what year, but it was Del Toro originally. Ah. What might have been? I think it was a victim of lockdown, to be honest, having a quick skim read. I think so. Mm, Most probably. Nightmare Alley just got too caught up. Yep. Yep. Right. Moving on. To yeah, you guessed it. Trailer talk. 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 And 
we've not really got many <laughs> to to pick from this week. Um, we are re- recording this episode a uh, day earlier than usual. Uh, we usually find that more trailers come out on a Tuesday than they do on a Monday. Uh, so we're a bit few and far between. But first of all, we've got a teaser for a trailer that will be out now. You will have probably seen it, but we're going to talk about the teaser for the trailer because <laughs> that's the thing these days, isn't it? We it's love a trailer this. for the trailer. Yeah, it is a trailer for the trailer, and that <laughs> teaser trailer. Naughty, naughty. <laughs> <laughs> and that teaser for that trailer is Bullet Train. Not Steve McQueen's bullet, but Bullet Train. Wait, Steve um, McQueen is remaking Bullet? Yes. Oh. Um actually that's a film I'd watch, to be honest. <laughs> like, uh, have you read the plot of this film? For Bullet Train? Yeah. Is it Snowpiercer without the ice? Uh, five assassins find themselves on a fast-moving bullet train from Tokyo to Moroka. With only a few stops in between, they discover their missions are not unrelated to each other. Brad Pitt, Sandra Bullock, Lady Gaga, Joey King, Logan Lerman, Lerman? Yeah. Aaron Taylor-Johnson, Brian Torrey Henry, Ceci Beats, Holy cow. Michael Shannon. What? Oh no! What the hell? That's like Good a Knives Lord. Out level cast. That <laughs> a guy called Bad Bunny. I, I, what? Well, damn. Yeah. I again. Yeah. Not really getting much from the trailer, the teaser trailer, other than Brad Pitt. So. So yeah, I couldn't tell you what is going on there, but now I know <laughs> that cast. We, it sounds a lot uh, more straightforward. Go on. We'll, yeah. We'll pretend we didn't say that we're recording this on a Monday, and we'll. <laughs> it was amazing when Lady Gaga jumped out of the train window and into the other train window and drop kicked Brad Pitt. Oh my god, mm. so good! What was your favorite bit of the trailer, Charlotte? Um, the bit where there was some kissing. It was a surprise kiss, but you know, I was here for it. Yes, <laughs> it was very surprising that. Uh... The Zazie Beats kissed Bad Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's never the well-behaved bunnies that get rewarded, is it? <laughs> no, I, I for one was shocked that the bullet train they were all on was actually a bullet being shot on another train. Whoa. Uh, yeah. But did Christopher Nolan direct Bullet Train? Yeah, no, that's what Aaron Taylor Johnson was on set for Tenet for, really. It was for oh, Bullet Train. Oh, damn. This and they actually crashed a real Bullet the, Train. Uh, the King's Man. <laughs> filming The King's Man. <laughs> and then when Hitler turned up at the end of the trailer, <laughs> my God. <laughs> we were trying so hard to, like, dance around that when we reviewed <laughs> The King's I'm Man. I'm so sorry. No, 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 but then it was just on Twitter, like, this is the most unhinged post-credit thing. (laughs) And it's like, oh, cool. So we're just just openly chatting about spoilers now for films we don't like. Okay, cool. Well, if that's the case. It feels like these streamer sites, Disney Plus especially, are like these wild lands where we just share. I say we, I don't, I would never allow it. Share (laughs) these kind of spoilers. Like in Kanto, as soon as it hit Disney Plus... Yeah. We don't talk about no. Oh god. 
I think for a second, you can probably hear this, listeners. My Google has just decided to join in. Um, there'll be two <laughs> seconds. <laughs> uh, well, I was, just while Simon is sorting out his uh, home assistant, uh, I just was looking at David Leach, who is the... Uh, or Leach, I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name. Uh, he's directed Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. Classic. Deadpool 2. Classic. I quite Atomic enjoyed Blonde. most of that. Um, I saw that. <laughs> that went progressively and progressively down. Then I quite enjoyed that Atomic Blonde. Um, uh, <laughs> it had a good sequence. It was a very good sequence in Atomic Blonde. Oh yes, yes, very good sequence. Ten percent of he's that also... film was enjoyable. <laughs> he's also directing a film with Will Smith in it called Fast and Loose. Oh, interesting. Well. I uh, hope you all enjoyed the bullet train trailer. He's going to play officially Jeff Loose. Jeff Loose. And Bobby Fast will be played <laughs> by... <laughs> <laughs> well, by from Mark um, bullet train... <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch that now, actually. <laughs> Thinking about it. I saw someone unironically say that Mark Rylance isn't a good actor on Twitter the other day. Oh, that's ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. No, just to bring us back down to earth. Um, moving on to what is arguably my most anticipated film of the year. Better Nate than Never. See, it's a play on words because the it's main a... character is called Nate. That's right, it does, Disney. It does, it does win the title for the best film title so far this year. It really does, doesn't it? Like, completely. Um, So, better than Nate than Never. <laughs> See, I can't <laughs> say it, right? <laughs> Maybe it's not the best. Uh, no. So, better than Nate than Never follows oh, 13-year-old Nate Foster, who is an unpopular Midwestern kid. Um, And he wants to be a big Broadway star! And he finds out that Disney are making a Lilo and Stitch musical so he goes to audition for it. But will he be good enough? Or will it not be? Will he be better Nate than ever? <laughs> <laughs> I was watching this trailer and I I I don't want to be mean spirited. Mm. But I what did watch this and Well, all I'm gonna say is it did feel like main character syndrome concentrated into uh, into a trailer what like rachel berry from glee genuinely oh <laughs> if rachel berry were an eight-year-old boy 13 oh sorry 13 year old boy 13. oh well excuse i'm me. sorry i teach 13 year olds they'd batter that kid <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I thought you were going to say something existential like they wouldn't have big dreams like him. Oh no, I've got big old dreamers. <laughs> I've been ambiguous. I've said nothing specific. No one can get me on anything. Oh, God. <laughs> Right. Um, are we excited for this film? No, clearly. 
<laughs> it turns out at the end of the film he comes back and goes, maybe I should have been bullied more. <laughs> I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying he's an unusual 13-year-old. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's a funny way of saying gay. <laughs> I was not saying that. <laughs> Please come out, Sam. I'm so sorry. I know loads oh, of gay God. teenagers. <laughs> I'm friends with so many. Um, oh, no, man. Um... <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> Yeah, Sam, please cut that out. I'm very, very please? sorry about that. Oh, my God. I will God. be cancelled. Um, <laughs> it was more, it was for there. me, <clears throat> it was the pants ripping scene was really weird. Oh, uh, yeah, it was weird. Mm. And I can't explain why. It was just weird. Yeah. Right, moving on. <laughs> How do we recover from that? Well, we move on to horror comedy, All My Friends Hate Me. <laughs> I mean... We're talking about best film titles. What about one that's true to life? <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like I was writing like a help me note as I typed that one out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. uh, so Pete, who is played by Tom Sturton, Stowarton, who you might know from Siblings. Oh my God, I used to love that. That was such a good show. With him and Charlotte. Yeah, he pops up in loads of stuff, doesn't he? Yeah, a bit, bit of everywhere. Um, he's reuniting with his college friends for a birthday weekend, but um, in this big old house, uh, they all start turning against him. It looks interesting. Um, I have no idea what's going on, but I'm like here for it. So I've I've seen this film. You've seen um, it, yes. Uh, it's it's good. It's very good. Um, I I well, I found out as well accidentally that I'm, I uh, I'm acquainted with the person who owns the very opulent house uh, that takes centre stage in the film. Um, he's a former colleague of mine. Uh, I'm not nearly that lucky to be able to share in that kind of fortune, but. Um, but yeah, no, I, I went to see this entirely not knowing that, and I came out of it feeling very positive. Um, but yeah, horror comedy uh, is definitely the the term. It, I guess it's more paranoia comedy, I guess. But yeah, no, very, very fun. I enjoyed it a lot. Good. I just I'm read excited. the phrase exquis- exquisitely uncomfortable describing this film. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah, if if you don't like cringe comedy, then I would say keep a wide berth. Oh, okay, interesting. Right, moving on to the final trailer in trailer talk today. It is Boone, not to be confused with the 1986 Michael Elphick ITV comedy TV show that also styled Neil Morrissey. The, the, the uh, what? <laughs> There was Apparently. a buzzer noise then, and it felt like a no on a quiz show. No. <laughs> yeah. I heard that. Yeah. You're just hearing the uh, Simon Whitlock House of Ambient Noises sound effects, volume three. <laughs> um, I also saw that boon um, is apparently uh, an actual word in the dictionary that is a thing that is helpful or beneficial. Um, and he was also oh yeah, it was me. real boon. Yeah, 
something tells me that this film is going to be anything but helpful or beneficial to my life. <sighs> Boone was also in the first series of um, Lost. Yes, Boone. Oh, um, the guy from the Vampire Diaries. Yeah, Ian Summerholder. That's the one. Anyway, Boone yeah. isn't about the word Boone. It's about a person Boone called Neil McDonough. That's the actor. <laughs> <laughs> Neil McDonough, please. <laughs> the actor Neil McDonough is actually called Boone. <laughs> he is. Um, and just from watching this trailer, all I really got from it was lots of shooty-shooty and stabby-stabby. Yeah. Yeah, my eyeballs watched the trailer, but I didn't take any of it in at all. It looks completely just nothing that I will really care about in any kind of way. I also don't think it'll get a cinema release in the UK. No, no I would be not. surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? We'll just go back. And watch 1986 sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go back and watch the first series of Lost. The first series of Lost is very good. Actually, all the series of Lost are very good. They are. Um, right. Silence. Simon. Bring back my girl. <laughs> Bring back my Patreon subscribers. <laughs> Bring back Pangina Heels. Um... Oh, that's maybe a bit too real. Uh, but not as real as the love that we have for our Patreon subscribers. Every week we give these shout-outs, and every week we mean it more. I'm not saying we didn't mean it the first time around, or the other 30 episodes that we've done, but right now I mean it's the most I've ever meant it. Thank you. Thank you for giving £8 a month to get your name mentioned on here. And we also say thank you to everybody else who gives whatever they can to the Jump Cut Online Patreon. If you're interested, then go to www.patreon.com forward slash jumpcut underscore online. Uh, do that without that weird presentation I just did, and you'll get there in no hassle. But if you give at the very top, only God subscribes. If you haven't guessed already, we, we do like our Ryan Gosling. He's a lovely little lamb, and he? And, uh, oh God. But these people really love us, and we really love them. They are Chris Wilson, Enon Films, Robert Denny, Daryl Griffiths, Sam Luck, Orla Smith, Peter Hodgkins, Andy Meekin, Fabiana Rosas, Hamish Calvert, Manuel Bento, and Joe Craig. That pause was because I lost my place in the list of all of 11 people. Thank you, and good night. Thank you very much, Simon. Thank you. Thank you, sincerely. From the bottom of my heart. It is now time for the film reviews. Oh, I like a musical intro. Yes, I was. that's what I was going for. I was trying to channel my inner Cyrano de Bergerac. <laughs> hey, for we are into the film reviews now, and we are going to start off with Cyrano, which is uh, the latest film from Joe Wright, uh, starring Peter Dinklage, Haley Bennett, and Ben Mendelsohn, amongst others. 
And this is a film uh, adapted from a play, a, a, a musical, and everything that's that it, it's been adapted into lots and lots of different things, including two other separate films. Um, but this is a musical version of the story. And if you are unfamiliar with the story of Cyrano de Bergerac, then um, essentially he is a man who is in love with a woman, Roxanne, who in this film is played by Hayley Bennett. However, the love uh, he feels is unrequited because of his physical appearance. Um, he doesn't think that they can be together. Um, and he then finds out that she has fallen in love with a soldier in his unit of soldiers, because that's a thing. Um, and he essentially decides that he wants to live vicariously through um, this soldier who isn't very good with his words. Um, so he essentially becomes this person's voice and professes his love to Roxanne through um, the person who is actually living out his dream, essentially. So, Cyrano, Charlotte, why don't you kick us off? So I saw this back in January, a special screening Digital Spy did. Um, so I've sat with this film for six weeks, I think. Yes. Not to <laughs> sound Ooh. braggy, it wasn't what I meant. But all <laughs> I'm thinking about is I've been musing on this film since, and I felt hook, line, and sink of this film. Like For me, it's a five star. I Don't came out of it, nice. and my heart hurt. It felt like it was in my veins and my bones. I, I just I felt and loved the film. And what's baffled me the past week, especially, is how mid the reviews have been. To the point of some of them are really damning reviews, and I don't understand. And this will be part one of the two-week run of Charlotte being confused by reviews. Um, look forward to next week's, guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, so the embargo's lifted, so you can can suggest, yeah. Oh no, I, it's a three hour long film so I've got all the time in the world. Oh fair, okay. <laughs> um, but Cyrano, I I listen to the soundtrack every day and that isn't hyperbole. Someone to say will be in my top films on Spotify this year. There's something about it that appeals to me so greatly as a desperate romantic who also has a a, a fearful attachment style, a fearful avoidant attachment style when it comes to relationships. This film is the epitome of that, the kind of confliction, being conflicted between love and acceptance of self-loathing, being a barrier to intimacy and love. Um, it was beautifully done. I cried, and at this point we're still wearing masks in the cinema, so I waterboarded myself inadvertently <laughs> during the soldier sequence. Um, yeah, I adore this film. Like Even talking about it now, I feel the hairs on my arms stand up. I, yeah, I adore it, and I can't wait to see it again. Good. I'm absolutely ecstatic that you loved it. I watched it literally as of the day recording today, so you have had lots of time to mull it over. I am still trying to coordinate my thoughts in my head as we speak. And I've also done a written review of it. So it's all just kind of in a washing machine of thought. So while I continue to do that, Simon. Oh, gosh. Okay. So 
Um, God, where, how how to follow that from Charlotte? Uh, so, as as a French student, I'm familiar with Cinéma de Bergerac and uh, Edmond Rostand's um, play, especially um, when kind of studying that and picking it apart. And the language he uses is so brilliant; like you don't need to translate it; it's just excellent to to read, like, especially that opening bit. So the 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 opening at the theater where someone insults him and he goes all the way he goes all the way back with it. Um, obviously, things have been changed uh, from the original text. Um, in that, Cyrano de Bergerac is just your typical ugly fella. Um, and in this one, there is a clear physical difference between um, Cyrano and the rest of society. Um, played by Peter Dinklage, um, it's it it focuses very much on his um, his dwarfism, and I think that works really well. I think um, if I remember correctly, this is based not only on the uh, Rostand script, uh, play script, but also um, an adaptation of the play that Peter Dinklage actually starred in, I think his partner, I can't remember her name. Um, Erica Schmidt. Erica Schmidt, thank you so much. Uh, it was on the tip of my tongue. Uh, Eric, so yeah, she had made this play and cast him in the lead role. So this is kind of an on, on-screen adaptation of that adaptation of the play. Uh, so it's an adaptation of an adaptation, if you will. And yeah, so you've got this really interesting music as well from the National... Uh, well, at least contribute, contributed to by them. Um, and all of it... So, I liked the play... I liked the, I liked the film a lot. I just wish that I had liked it more. Um, this is certainly not a mid-review before I before we go down that, but um, I just think that I wanted to fall in love with it. I wanted to burst into tears. And... There was a little bit of me that even as things moved into the final sequences, I just found myself like almost straining myself to be like, feel. And at one point I did, it did get me. It did get me towards the end, um, which is no surprise because I am a crier. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I just found myself thinking, why is this not getting it for me? And I think the issue is ultimately with Joe Wright. So for me, Joe Wright as a director, he's either excellent, where you have things like Hannah, you have things like Atonement, which I really enjoyed, but then you also have like The Woman in the Window, or you have Pan, or, you know, there's like five of these for every one great film that he's done. And I don't think that he's, I don't think this is one of his five. I think it is a good one, but he lays it on so thick with the gaudiness, with the ostentatiousness of the of everything that he has to do he has to make it so so theatrical and grandiose and it's just like it just gets in the way of telling the story for me in the end and like that's a real shame because i think peter dinklage is giving arguably the performance of his career i think he's i think he's absolutely giving it all the barrels that he has um and yeah calvin harrison jr is great as christian um ben mendelson gets a great villain song (laughs) <laughs> and oh, has so a fantastic cape. It's so good. Uh, but yeah, I just found myself ultimately going, hmm, it was good. Yeah, it was good. It was, it was good. But you wish it could have been better. I think, you know what it is? I was on my way to go see it on Sunday night. 
and Liverpool have just won the League Cup um, in the most dramatic, over-the-top way. And I was very high on that, and I was walking past loads of upset Chelsea fans, which was, mwah, oh, delicious. Wow, and then this I is a bit to... awkward, isn't it? <laughs> oh, 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 Charlotte. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Keep um, on going. Kick the film. Kick my football club. What else you want to kick? Oh, <laughs> So I mean, I should preface this: I am a Liverpool fan, so I, I, I'm not just being. Sadistic. Yeah, I got the that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> um, so I just had the high of that result and that title being won, and then going to see a film which I was very much geared for and I was very excited for, and then I was just like, oh, it just hasn't met that high. Maybe that's it. Maybe I need to see it independently of anything else. I think knowing you, I think the second watch it might hit harder. Okay, I think I think you're right. I, no I think I want to go see it again. Specific reason for thinking that I just feel like <laughs> that's my my bet. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I I want to give it the benefit of the doubt, and I do. Like I said, I do like it a lot, and I think Kelvin Harrison Jr. and Peter Dinklage are just so great. Their interplay together as Cyrano and Christian is, is so fun, and yeah, I just I just found myself thinking, yeah, that was good. When I wanted to come out it's of it, basically dancing down the corridor. You say about the staging because we will talk about a film next week where there is a lot of staging that, for me, detracted from what was going on. Oh, Whereas okay. here, I feel like it enhanced it. I think like it italicizes yeah. and bolds. It it's meant to be that. Sure. Well, sure. I wanted to counterpoint because you mentioned about it being grandiose and it fully is like massively but i think from and it's no secret that i am a massive musical lover like i absolutely adore musicals give it to me any day um that it is the type of grandiose fanfare that kind of lends into itself mm. and i and where you see it as a maybe not a a positive point of the film I kind of think it's what makes it stronger that's fair yeah I um, do think before I'm going to shut up after this point um, I do think that the big OTT design really works in one numbers favour uh, which is the one with the love letters where I think it yeah. does end up looking like an 80s power ballad and incredibly horny and it's just very fun to watch <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, yeah I mean, up. I I think I lean more on Charlotte's side. I really, really loved it. Um, you can just... Pete, Pete Stinklage approaches the character, and I think now you've added the context that it was a character that he's already performed as and a character that was written by his partner. Um, and also the fact that she also wrote, wrote the screenplay for this, I believe, as well. Um, and Joe Wright's partner is the lead actress, and he saw it every day it was oh, performed. Yeah, I think. Of course. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. His yeah. partner's Roxanne. Yeah, that's correct. Um, and he just kind of approaches the character with like this kind of affection that just draws you in completely and utterly. And I think you're right. I think it really is like his best performance, and it's because I feel like post Game of Thrones, we haven't really seen him. We've seen him a few times, but not really. And it really feels like 
he's come into his own with this role and now it seems like it's a role that was kind of written for him. It makes sense completely. Um, I thought Haley Bennett was, but not Manol. Um, arguably the best singing voice out of all of them. Um, her songs were probably the highlights um, out of them all. Uh, I mean, what else can be said that hasn't already been said by the both of you? Uh, do I think this could have also worked as a not as not a musical? Yes. Do I think the fact that it is a musical is a point of contention for me? No. Which I feel I is think, very confusing, but also, yes, that is my point. I think it's a fair point. Um, but I do think that, yeah, because especially this version of the Cyril of the Bergerac story is so like emotional and so like heightened. I think the music I think the music justifies itself on that front. Completely, and I think there's this misconception with the advertising and those kind of things that a musical is the greatest showman, that a musical is meant to be these like pop hits or these. No. In this case, yeah. it's a lot of it is the original text, isn't it? Put to music. Oh yeah, yeah. And the emotion is so visceral in some of those songs. That yeah. okay, you're not dancing down the aisles, which is what I feel like Mark Commode was moaning about in his review on Friday. Mm. it's just profound I've, like I said and again it, I'm prone to exaggeration on many things but I have listened to the soundtrack every day in some capacity and it's become my sort of marking soundtrack as well yeah. I, I just no, I find it, is... it like transportive oh yeah. yeah I've had that opening song in my head for the last 24 hours so mm. <laughs> yeah no it is very good um, and I also say it's my, like is like you said Charlotte it's really heartbreaking and also, um, well, the scene where she, where Roxanne tells Cyrano uh, that she's in love with, um, not him. Oh, yeah. I was like, yeah. oh my god. <laughs> I wonder if this is like a Rorschach test of a film. Like, if you find that difficult, you've clearly had some trauma in your life. Oh man! Oh that yes, moment, the though. single people love this film, but the person <laughs> that has a girlfriend. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> no, because oh, come on, oh, come no, on, I'm that's joking. a low blow. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> hang on, hang on, joking. that's a low blow that we've made a comment that you have a girlfriend, that you have succeeded. No, no, this no, is our the universe that we live in. Such <laughs> an easy point to make. Come on, like, but it's a clear split. <laughs> It's it's clear as day. In I know, black and I white, know, I know. Right there. But no, I but no, I as someone who has been in that position of like logging as well, like I I totally got it. And like like I said, I think that Peter Dinklage is, you know, above and beyond anything he's ever done. And like that scene when you say about when she declares her love and then he slowly realizes, oh, oh but it's somebody else. That expression and like the slow realization and just the like it's the thing in the simpsons like you can see the exact moment when his heart splits into oh ralph it's just it's like ralph, isn't yeah it? yeah it is ralph i just felt like oh yeah i've i've, I've definitely seen that look in the mirror a couple of times <laughs> <laughs> God. it's just 
so beautifully done, though. It's so good. And now we'll yeah. have our therapy section of the evening. <laughs> <laughs> On the other yeah. <laughs> um, I also just wanted to shout out to the costumes as well because they were really, really cool, really nice. Very um, the only Oscar uh, nom that the films received. Yes, yeah, very hmm. much so, yeah, um, and rightfully so because they are brilliant. Really, really love them. It's a deserving, I, yeah, do, acknowledgement. Do you feel like this film has been one of the true um, <clears throat> uh, losses of the award season? I think they've really missed a trick with this film. Even yeah, if not in wins, in nominations. Yeah. Yeah, Peter Dinklage could very easily have been nominated and should very easily have been nominated. I'm glad that it got outstanding uh, outstanding British film nom at the BAFTAs, mm. but that's pretty much all it's got. Right. Moving on. Uh, moving on to the next one. Uh, I believe this is one that only Charlotte has seen. Oh, what? Studio 666? Studio 666. Oh, sugar. I was really hoping, like, Simon had seen it, because you were quite hyped, weren't you, for this? I'm really fascinated by the by the whole idea, yeah. Because, yeah, I could do with a sound bo- sounding board. I went on my own to cinema yesterday at, like, 8.40 screening on oh, a Sunday. God. Okay, do we want to, in real time, push this review back? Or are you good to go? No, I'm good to go, because it, it's weird. It is really. I hadn't seen the trailer, so oh, I knew okay. the Foo Fighters have made a film, and I knew it wasn't a documentary. <laughs> um, <laughs> no one said to me it was an eighteen. It was a horror, and it was gore. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you didn't know any of that going into it. No, and it's, I saw the BBFC oh certificate, and I think I out loud went, "Oh no." <laughs> <laughs> Um, so BBFC certificate, eighteen, yep. gore, horror, mm. uh, and I let out this like, because I just I, <laughs> I, I, I can't I can't do gore. It makes me feel Ugh. maybe. God, this is really sounding like a therapy episode. But I think <laughs> I've had lots of hospital treatments and stuff over the years. I've been in hospitals too much that I just Ugh. nope. I've been through too much to then watch too much happen on the screen. Anyway, right. This isn't be- believable, Gore. This is your mates at uni made a film. <laughs> oh, and I well, don't mean man. that offensively because the Foo Fighters are so charismatic and Dave Grohl yeah. is the lead in this film is they are sent by their record manager to go record their 10th studio album. Having a Dave's got a creative block, so they go to this rural house to record together and Dave insists they move in and live there together. He becomes possessed by a servant of the devil and then murders the band one by one. Um, (laughs) But some of those murders are so grotesque and horrific that you're like, this is the nicest man in rock, supposedly, (laughs) with this stuff. (laughs) There's some really funny moments. I don't think it warrants the one hour forty eight runtime. Um, it one does lose steam. Holy jeez! Mm. Um, but there are definitely moments, and I, I, we've said before, time and time again, that like we'd rather a film be ambitious and try something different, and it does feel kind of original for what it is. Mm. It doesn't fully work all of the time, but there are moments where it really does. It's that whole thing as well. Like we've also talked about how films often rely on the charisma of its actors, its performers, to be an enjoyable time. 
And that's a huge part of this film. Um, and like I tweeted yesterday, I think I'd forgotten how much I love the Foo Fighters for various reasons and people. I'd repressed mm. that. And I listened to it on the way back. I was going through my favourite Foo songs today while I was at work. Marking again, I was going through my favourite Foo Fighters songs. So if it does nothing else, I hope this film reminds people of how great the Foo's are. Oh, it's, just, it's a shame they didn't make the film suitable for everyone because it could have been the best, the best, the best of you. <laughs> this film is the exact opposite of a you. Oh. Um, there's a scene involving a um, hedge trimmer. Is that what they're called? I guess. Okay. Like in, um, like in Hot Fuzz. Yeah, but but not not. Oh. <laughs> there was so oh, much fake blood in this film. Um, oh and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh dear. Well, lovely. I right. think that's on my watch list immediately. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds exactly my kind of thing. I'm so gutted. Okay. Well, moving on to the final film this week, and that is the Duke. Uh, based off the true story uh, about uh, let me find his name Kempton Bunton uh, who such a great name it really <laughs> is they don't make it like they used to uh, who stole uh, a Goya painting uh, his, Goya's portrait of the Duke of Wellington from the National Gallery in London um, and that I mean that's pretty much it in a nutshell well you know on a surface level, at least. So, Simon. Okay, so, um, well, where to where to really start with this? So, uh, yeah. So as you say, it's based on a true story, and it's one of those like stranger than fiction stories that um doesn't really get much of a mention now, but made such a buzz clearly when it happened. I mean. It even made it into a James Bond film, as we found, as you find out in this film. Um, like, yeah, in Doctor No, the uh, the portrait in question is is in Doctor No's lair. Um, so, with this film, though, I mean, I, I came into it, and like the trailer is so charming. Like the whole setup for it is very like, oh, it's Jim Broadbent and Helen Mirren doing Northeast England accents. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. it is that you know when someone like does a a parody of of a bbc film and it's it's jim broadbent and some other like it'll either be judy dench or helen mirren or someone like that uh up against him and yeah they're doing something or oh, working class and that kind of oh, i'm not going to do the accent um but yeah that kind of thing but honestly it's so well done and yeah it's very funny it's very i mean i do think that the film when it starts getting into the machinations of what really happened versus what the film's telling us has happened i think starts to get a bit wobbly but jim broadbent is so much fun in this uh, helen mirren is an absolute delight um and yeah just the way that it's presented and written and directed it has to be said uh it's just so charming like they don't make him like this that much anymore given the joke about the bbc film uh and with the passing of the director uh it does feel like we're not going to get many more of these 
to come. Yeah. Definitely. Well, Charlotte, how about you? Yeah, this trailer's been rock- knocking around cinemas for quite a while because it got pushed back from sort of last summer, last September till now because of COVID. Because, because the audience, I remember their statement was something along the lines of, because we know our audience is older, leaning. We want to protect our audience. <laughs> and watching this film, I did leave it thinking, I can't wait to watch this with my gram. And it's not an insult because I'm very picky with the films I watch with grandma. She gets yeah. only the best. And this is such a safe pair of hands. I've used the analogy before. It's like sitting in a really comfy tub chair. And I just, I was in for a good time with this film. I was going to watch a great cast, really beautifully filmed, costumed, performed in a nice 90 odd minute runtime. Um, also, it's alarmingly timely in a way that most of these things seem to be lately Mm. with the Tories having put a squeeze on the TV licenses for over 75 haven't they recently oh yeah yeah, in the last 12 months yeah which is mad to watch this film where they were still being fought for like it's mind-boggling and there's something really lovely about the main characters want for betterment and for a kind of society that supports each other there's a comment he makes about um, war veterans as well, which I, I don't think I'd really considered before. That When's the film set? What year? It's the 60s, isn't it? Is it early yeah. 60s? Early 60s, yeah. I think, yeah. When you think most of those men who'd fought in the war, it'd been what, 15 years since some of them had come back from conflict. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that they were expected just to carry on and function. Yeah. But, so I think the film does a very good job of balancing those kind of social protestations alongside a very nice drama about a family um yeah i say yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot uh, to be said is i mean like you said it is that the film is about you know the, the characters and what what they've done but when it comes to its commentary on broader society it genuinely could not have come at a more uh well pressing time i suppose because this film promotes togetherness in a way that sort of not many films do. Or we we at least don't like like Simon you said, we really don't get many films like this these days. Um I mean the past two years we've seen footballers fighting to make sure kids don't go hungry in school holidays. Yeah. Yeah. There's literally. um there's the new I see the new fellow that's patronizing, I can't remember his name, who's been going into housing to argue about how awful some of the housing crises we're facing and the state of homes being given to people. Mm. So it feels like this film is kind of quietly revolutionary in that way. I think it could be easily misconstrued, misinterpreted, ignored for being a nice British period drama. I think there's something more there. There really is. Oh, yeah. and I I don't want to give the wrong impression when I say, you know, it's the BBC film because... Yeah, like you guys are made so clear, and I failed to mention, like it is so socially conscious and so mm. aware that you know, great films and great stories resonate no matter what the time period is. You know, they find something which is so inherent and fundamental to all of us. And I think, like, this is a really like it's it it helps also that it's just a fantastic true to life story of this amazing bizarre robin hood act of 
giving giving to the poor from by taking from the rich um and yeah i think that you know it's it does show and you know even beyond our borders like the world as it is at the moment needs a little bit more compassion and a little bit more Mm. wanting to look out for the quote-unquote little man and yeah i just it's it is very charming i and it helps that you've got two leading actors in there who are just so charismatic they are yes charm dialed to fifty thousand. <laughs> because we have to love literally... matthew good just popping up yes oh, matthew good well, is yeah. brilliant in it as well yeah yeah literally yeah no but yeah you're right i think if any what what the character that Jim Broadbent is playing and obviously the real life person represents is way more than what the film is. And it's all just about having empathy for your fellow man. And if more people had more empathy, then we wouldn't be in the positions that we're getting in, getting into um, still to this day. And it's just crazy. Um, But yeah, Jim Broadbent's brilliant. He, manages to fire off some proper zingers memorable one being um what do you say uh, <laughs> uh to his he said to his son something like uh your balls would go missing if they weren't in a bag i absolutely love that <laughs> yeah. line so much so good um just those little things about it are just really really great it's just so natural and so it just feels so real in such a wonderful way um, and it really does need to be filed into the category of quintessential British cinema, if I'm being honest. Mm. Right next to Pride. Mm. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if in 10 years we're looking at this as like a modern classic kind of thing. Yeah. Give me an underdog story any day. I got very emotional during the uh, during the court scene towards the end. <laughs> Must Aww. admit. Yeah. Yeah. For me it was when they were sat in the pouring rain under that umbrella with their little petition. Oh, yes. Oh yeah. And you think of all those people you've seen in the street doing that for various things that you've probably ignored to some extent. Yeah. Yeah. And what what is it he said when he was in the courtroom? Obviously I don't want to spoil too much, but I thought that that was really, really well written and really well performed by Jim Broadbent himself. Um when he was talking about a brick, the metaphor about the bricks, about saying how one brick on his own, it you know, it's a bit useless, but when it's a, a thousand bricks together, you can make a house and then you've made a shadow and then you know you've really made a change in the world. And mm. that has stuck with me also um, yeah. amongst, uh, along with the zingers. And yeah, what a bloody wonderful little film! Yeah, mm. here, here, there we are, right. Before I actually start crying again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we've come Ooh. pretty much towards the end of this week's episode of Jumpcast. But before we go, we must launch the newest film club. Yes, that's right. You're probably wondering, where has film club been? If you care in any kind of way. Well, um, I'll own up. It's my fault. For I have still <laughs> not watched The Lobster. 
Um, and I do need to get gallivanting on around on other shows and radio. And I know it's a hard life. Um, <laughs> yes, but I will get to it for next week because we will also be revealing the winner of the new film club poll. And we're going to be revealing our films now very quickly before we go. So, Simon. Uh, oh, wait, sorry. Apologies. Oh. Charlotte came up with the theme for this film club. I thought it was very good. Charlotte, do you want to very quickly explain? Yep. So uh, the world feels shit at the moment. Uh, the weather is rubbish. Uh, when you're listening to this, if you were a London-based listener, you'll have been through two days of tube strikes where the entire tube line is down Tuesday and Thursday. Um, so I wanted, I suggested we go for springtime films. Spring, uh, films about hope and new beginnings and fresh starts and optimism. Sounds good to me. So, while we're with you, Charlotte, what have you picked? Um, so I've gone for Emma, the 2020 version, starring Johnny Flynn and Anya Taylor-Joy, Josh O'Connor, uh, Miranda Hart. Oh, so many good people. I gave this film five stars in my review for Film Stories magazine. And yeah, I bloody love this film. Very good. Very good. Simon, how about yourself? Okay, so um, we wanted something hopeful. We wanted something optimistic. And there's nothing that gives hope and optimism quite like Golden Age Tom Hanks. And as the man says, there's no crying in baseball. Yes, it's a league of their own. So yeah, you've got Tom Hanks, you've got Gina Davis, you've got Madonna, Rosie O'Donnell, you've got Anne Cusack, you've got, oh my gosh, so many people in this film. And it is just an absolute delight. It is one of the best films you will ever see. Definitely about baseball, possibly ever. It's just joy, just unbridled joy in a film. Very good. Well, they are two brilliant picks and I'm sorry in advance for them losing to my pick. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm joking. I won't get too ahead of myself, of course. Uh, my pick is DreamWorks' is Over the Hedge. That's right. If you love DreamWorks, if you love Shrek, sake. if you love <laughs> Madagascar, Flushed you Away, Megamind. Shark Tale, Megamind, <laughs> then there is no doubt that you will love Over the Hedge. Oh, for film... God's sake. What? What's wrong with it, huh? You've never seen it, so you wouldn't know. Nothing's wrong with it. It's just such a steamroller of a winner. I mean, look, we'll see. We'll we'll see. Um, (laughs) I just... This was uh, one of the films of my childhood. I absolutely just adore this film. It's got an all-star cast. You've got got Bruce Willis, Catherine O'Hara... You've got Thomas Hayden Church, Eugene Levy, Wanda Sykes. I mean, it's just brimming to the edges with some brilliant voice actors. We've also got Steve Carell. How could I forget Steve Carell? Um, and it's just this wonderfully beautiful film about a bunch of a rogues gallery of animals coming together and working together for something that we adore in life, and that is food. Okay. So there you are. I just want to say this film came out in 2006. If it anyone did. heard Alex's comment about 
during his childhood and felt triggered. Um, <laughs> oh, it's, it's tackled yeah. my fight or flight reflex, and I'm sorry. I'm, I, I was, performer. yes, I was. Like, nine. I'd been through the emo era. I was coming out of the emo era. I think my fringe still covered my face and my eyeliner was down to my cheekbones. Charlotte, let's be honest, it's never just a phase. <laughs> it was a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> Dun, 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 dun. Oh, don't! I'm going to see them in a couple of months. Oh, amazing! Um, Where, which venue? Uh, Milton Keynes. Uh, I nice. cannot wait. I have my studded belt ready. I've got my guy liner. I am ready to go <laughs> to see the Black Parade. Oh, so, oh, if you I'm appreciate be... wonderful <laughs> family comedy animation, <laughs> vote over the hedge. Thank you. This has been an over the hedge PSA. <laughs> and if so you're first in Milton one that's Keynes, been done the My Chemical Romance on the something of May, 21st of May, then hit me up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, so it is between Over the Hedge, Emma 2020, and A League of Their Own. So you get to decide. It'll be on our Twitter. It's jumpcast underscore. Go and vote, and we will see who wins. Right, that is it. It's over. Thank you very much for listening. It has been a pleasure, as always. I've been Alex. Goodbye. Charlotte has been Charlotte. Stay sexy. And Simon Whitlock has been Simon Whitlock. I'm vengeance. I, I don't know. I've not seen Batman yet. Oh, sorry. The Batman. I have seen the other 4th of March film that's coming out, which is brilliant. Oh, yes. Interesting. We'll Looking talk forward about to talking well. about that. Yes. Uh, funnily nice, enough, nice. next week we'll be talking about uh, the Batman and Ali and Ava. And we'll also have the usual stuff. And we'll be revealing the winner of the film club. And we will definitely, a thousand percent, be talking about the lobster. Promise. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, if you're listening to this, go see Ali and Ava. <laughs> Please. There you are. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening. And goodbye. Bye.